Welcome to Adult Fluent. I'm Kizzy, your host. Some say being an adult is like folding a fitted sheet, trying to make sense and order out of something that wasn't meant to be perfectly folded. The goal of the Adult Fluent podcast is to make your learning curve of life easier so you can become adult fluent and not only fold that sheet, but breathe easy knowing you don't have to have all of the answers because no one does. So you are in luck. Our guests include those who have appeared on Tiwa Gary V, an Ivy League professor who started out as a rapper, a podcaster with over 3.5 million downloads a month, a successful movie actor, TikTok influencers with 1 million plus followers, those who've battled depression and won, and real estate investors with tips to create a real estate portfolio from nothing and more. If you'd like to learn how to become adult fluent from real people with real stories and with real tips, you're in the right place. Otherwise, you might as well stick around because you've come this far. Let's get started with the episode. Hello everyone, my name is Kizzy Dominguez and today we have Rashad Oberlander here. So excited, he is huge into leadership and I just cannot wait until you know we hear what he has to say and, and get ready to learn. I think that's what's really important about this episode is get ready to learn. So welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to join you today. Well, same here, same here. So I want to know, like, you have been in leadership. I think you you were in leadership coaching. Like, how did you even get into something like that? And and also, what does it mean to be a leader? Oh man, so many things. Um, I mean, my story really about being a leader is a long time in the making. I I grew up in uh, a lot of homeschooling um, and. Uh, I was given the freedom to kind of decide on some of the things that I really wanted to focus on and learn. And I found early on that like diving into business and entrepreneurship and leadership was something that really attracted me. And my mom was always encouraging me to, uh, to read, always be a big reader. And she was always putting books in my hand uh, about leadership and business and and having good character and good values books like you know being better at speaking by dale carnegie books by uh, augmandino john maxwell things like that so i was kind of getting a taste for it early on and i have always found myself wanting to gravitate towards leadership positions and uh, sometimes those motivations are somewhat self-serving but that's one of the things about growing as a leader is you find out more and more that you are there to serve people as opposed to serve yourself. So yeah, I guess I, that really is what got me into it. And then I've just kind of naturally grown into positions of uh, either being a manager or a leader of teams in my in my whole career. Um, what I think it means to be a leader is, is not just a position. It really isn't. It's about being willing to take a stand on something, um, willing to be uh, demonstrating attitudes, behaviors, and uh, actions that you know stimulate that idea of being a leader, right? So that you're not you're not just saying, "Oh, I've got this job title. I'm the VP of this or the manager of that or what have you." But I'm a leader because of the attitude and behavior and action that I that I display. And so, 
you know, you'd mentioned it doesn't always necessarily mean a title. So what does that does that mean? Does that mean like everyone is a leader or can be a leader? Or is it something like somebody has to learn? I think that everybody can be a leader if they want to be. I think that there's something that I, I like to think of as kind of the momentary leader. Is that, is that someone is like, I'm going to be a leader in this moment. And that could be in your home with your kids, your family. It could be in your workplace. It could be in your circle of friends. It could be in a group of strangers. I mean, I think that there's, uh, there's so many issues and so many things going on in the world that there are innumerable opportunities for people to step up and be a leader in a moment, even if they're not a leader, quote unquote, you know, and, and step up and say, hey, this is not right. Hey, that's not okay. Um, that in and of itself to me is a leadership quality is being willing to say, well, no, actually, I don't agree with this. And no, that's not okay. And, and, you know, kind of stand against the flow of the tide. And, you know, is it something that can be learned? Of course, I don't, be- I don't mean, born leaders, I, you know, I don't believe you're born a you're a VP in the making. I mean, mm-hmm. you're born with predispositions and character qualities that would make you a good leader, right? You think of all the qualities that make up a good leader. People are born with personalities. You know, I've got a four-year-old and I've got a one-year-old. And believe me, both of them had personalities like right out of the womb. They were like, I'm here and this is what I'm about. They're both girls. And they both have different personalities. You can see that in in a four-year-old and a one-year-old. So you have these personalities and your and your qualities and um, and your predispositions that you naturally have that can make you a great leader but being a good or a great leader is a skill that you continue to develop and 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 that you hone and that you grow over time and i equate it a lot of times in my own mind is this is how i view my leadership journey is is that it's like it's like being on a hike up a mountainside and you're going up the mountain and it's tough going sometimes it's steep be hard sweaty work get out of breath but you know what there's a great view from the top you know, you can look back on where you've come and there's beautiful view, see the valley, lakes, things like that. I'm, I'm, I'm a hiker too, so I can, I can speak personally to this. But, you know, you also get to the top of this mountain and you look beyond and you realize there's some more mountains. So, you know, leadership is always going to be an ongoing journey. There's never this final summit or final destination and in terms of becoming better in my mind. I think I, I love that analogy. I love that because it's beyond hard. It Mm -hmm. it seems like it's something that people want and it seems sexy and fun. And I guess they, maybe it's that imaginary, you get to boss everybody around kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) because you're the leader. (laughs) Uh, But in reality, it is challenging. Is challenging. So what are some things like some bad leader behaviors that you've kind of come across? Well, I think um, if, if this was a large room and there was, you know, a thousand people in it and I'd be funny, I'd be say, everybody put your hand up if you've never worked for a bad manager. And there'd be like one or two people put their hands up and I'd be like, yeah, you're just still in college. Okay. Cause you're not actually, you know, like at some point I want to say that probably everybody has had the experience of working for a bad manager, a bad leader. And I mean, I think a common concept that's taught in schools is like manager versus leader. And, you know, I mean, it's too easy to say that if you're not a good leader, you're a bad leader. 
Um, and it's too easy to say that if you're not being a leader, you're being a manager. It, it's there's there's too many fine lines because you know history has shown us there's been many a bad leader. Um, you know, national leaders and and companies companies leaders and so on. Uh, I think a lot of quote unquote bad leadership behaviors can be avoided when you when you really take hold of and understand that. It is about the people that you serve, um, and the key word is serve. So if you're if you're putting other people ahead of yourself, then a lot of times I think those bad leadership qualities begin to diminish over time, right? And people that have you know a predisposition towards being a bragger or being arrogant or being selfish or self-serving, whatever those things might be. Um, they they will begin to diminish if you really take hold of the concept of their of that you're there to serve other people. Yeah, because it's it's easy to forget that you have to serve those around you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, I mean, it, it it is very easy because you know, oftentimes the person that's in the high visibility position gets the attention. You know, when when the bigwigs come to town, they you know they, they they go and they talk with the manager or the leader or the the VP of this and, and whatever, right? The person with the title gets the attention, yeah. um, and things are going well, and it's like high fives all around, and it, you know it's kind of it's easy to feel like, you know, I'm I'm doing such a good job, and you know, hang on a second, like don't forget there was a whole group of people that got you there. And, uh, you know, so it, it, it's a constant practice to, to remember that. Um, and I don't think anybody is, is immune to it. It's a, it's a behavior and a, and a practice that one has to develop. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, cause we re often we reward the individual, but we want the group to contribute. Mm-hmm. And so totally. then it's, it can skew things. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, one of the things I think that has stuck with me over the, the years of my leadership experience has been that everything good and everything bad is as a result of the leader. But I add to that, but it's, but it's with, with the team, right? And I mean, a lot of times, um, and I think there's a, a number of famous quotes there, is, is, that a, is that, you know, a good leader will give the team all the credit and take all the blame. Yeah, you know, so the team gets the credit, the leader gets the blame, right? And you know, it maybe doesn't sound like it's always fair, but it's it's more true than not. It is more true than not, you know. Um, and be willing to, you know, when the bu- when the bus is bearing down on you, you, throw yourself in front of it. You don't throw your team under it. No, <laughs> you don't do that at all. Yeah. What has been one of your most pivotal moments as a leader? Most pivotal. Um, it's, I, I, I don't know. I think uh, there's been a few, but I think I've, I've one of the biggest ones, um, it's probably had to do with realizing the importance of being true to myself. And, you know, I've talked about this in some of my own material is like so many times there is this, image of success and this is the this is the path and this is the picture of what you should look like if you want to be successful with this organization and so you know 
um, being being told like, okay, you need to stop being so much like this and be more like this, which is not necessarily bad information, but when it's contrary to who you are as a person and contrary to your true nature, then it's very bad news for, for you. And it, it creates conflicts in yourself. It creates a lot of um, disparity in terms of what you value versus what you're expected to portray. And trying to do that, trying to be this image of success that was being shown to me, and it wasn't true to my true nature, um, was really tough. It was very stressful. Uh, resulted in a lot of depression and anxiety. Um, and when I, when I was able to break free from that and be like, okay, I don't have to be this image of success that someone expects me to be. I can be true to my nature. I can take the nuggets of truth in the feedback and apply it. And, you know, within my nature, elevate those things that that I can, that are in my control and that makes sense for who I am as a person, you know, it, it finds a better balance and you, you can move forward, you know, and if a company is inflexible in what they're looking for, then, you know, you find yourself in the wrong company. Yeah. Then it's time to find magic elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. So how do you help someone who's like, you know, I, I'm interested in being a leader or I'm kind of a leader or, you know, how do you help someone like that? Like really kind of become this, this just, I guess, kind of phenomenal leader per se. Well, again, it is a, it's a journey. It takes time. Um, I guess it would depend a little bit on where the person is in their life. I would, I would have to ask some questions like, you know, what do you believe is your purpose? Mm. Um, who is it that you want to help? And, you know, if someone is maybe struggling with the idea of being a good leader, you know, one, again, one of the things that I've done for myself is, is you start to list the accomplishments that you've had in life and they can be everything from learning to walk to, you know, sales in an organization, to people that you've hired, to positions that you've held, to awards that you've been given. And all of these things begin to add up to a picture of you're actually incredibly well qualified. And one of the easiest analogies I've drawn for myself as I've started a podcast and, and things like that is like, you know, I was like, oh man, I'm going to interview people. I got to like interview people and record it and put it out in the world and make it sound good. And I'm like, and I'm putting it all on me. Right. I'm like, Oh man, I don't know if I can do this. And then I was like, Oh, hang on a minute. What is an interview? Well, he's asking a lot of questions. You're looking for some information. What kind of information do you want? Well, you want information that's going to tell you something. How many job interviews have I conducted looking for a good quality candidate for a position? And I mean, the answer is I've done, you know, probably hundreds of interviews. And it's, I mean, you're looking for a candidate for a position um, versus you're talking to someone on a podcast and inviting them to share information. But it's like, okay, 
I actually have this skill. I've actually done this a lot of times and it's just a different um, application of it, right? So, you know, finding things like that in your leadership story and in your, in your personal story that translate to you being able to be and acknowledge yourself as maybe I'm not a great leader yet, but I'm going to get there because I have a foundation that I've built over the course of my life. I think that is such a strong point because it can seem like, like it gives hope. Mm-hmm. It gives hope, like having that strong foundation, understanding it's a journey, it's not going to happen overnight. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it really does. It really does start there, I think. You know, like you were talking about earlier, like people think of the sexy side of leadership and it's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, have this title. I'm going to have all this, you know, shine and pizzazz and you get into it and it's like, it's the trenches, right? And it's like, where do you start with these people? And a lot of times people get put into positions because they were the best salesperson or they were the best technician or, you know, whatever they, they were the best person available. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, here's here's your topographical map and a compass, go find yourself, go find your way out of the forest. Right. And it's overwhelming. And you have to come back to that, that center of I've actually got some of the foundational tools that I need. Mm-hmm. I need, I know I need some other tools and some other skills, but I'm going to start right here. Yes. You know, and I think a great book um, that kind of talks about the, the journey of growing as a leader is by John Maxwell's the five levels of leadership. And it starts with, okay, you've got a position. Great. That's it. You get a little respect because you've got a position, but the next step is building relationships with your team and kind of moving your way up from there. Right. And it starts with the people and it starts with building those relationships and then moving forward from there. So if you have to start anywhere, start by, working and building relationships with the people that you work with. You know, and, and I love that because it's, you know, I've, I've come across those that like, they don't really understand what that means. I think mm-hmm. for them, it's like, well, I talked to the, my follower, you know, like their team member um, or their direct report. Like I talked to them and I sent them emails or we're on video conference. So clearly I'm, I'm, you know, creating this relationship with them. Like, what does it really mean to create that kind of relationship, that connection with those that that report to you that are that helping you succeed? Um, I think building a relationship means different things to different people and kind of in some ways, depending on whose research or book you read, it might be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, John Maxwell kind of summarizes it in the terms of, if you've got a position, you get a little respect because of the position. When you build a relationship with someone, they do stuff for you because of what you've done for them. Mm. And so building a relationship, does this mean that you're, you know, going for barbecues on the weekend with, with them and like, you know, hanging out at the next game or something like it doesn't mean that you're quote unquote best friends, but it means that you know about them they know about you and because you take an interest in them but it's also because when they need something that they know that they can count on you to 
help them with it. That, you know, you're looking at them as an important and valuable person, not just a employee, you know, and that they have thoughts, feelings, and emotions and a life and all these things that make them whole mm-hmm. and, you, and you, and you treat them as such. I mean, I mean, that's powerful. That's powerful because then they're going to want to be there. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be when they, when they raised your, their hand in your in-person session, they weren't thinking about you as that bad leader. Yeah. And I think that it's a, it's kind of like, you know, when you're out and you're meeting people for the first time and sometimes the most memorable people are the people that ask you all about you. Mm-hmm. Right. So who did all the talking? Well, you did. Right. But you, but because they took an interest in you and they build that relationship and they build that rapport. And, you know, anytime you, if you've ever gone to a networking event and, you know, there's the guy that's slinging business cards around the table, like it's, you know, Texas Hold'em, <laughs> like, you're like, well, hang on a second. Who are you? Oh, you're all, you're, you're this guy and you sell insurance. Excellent. I'm going to throw that one over my shoulder. Right. Because you didn't stop and talk and find out what's going on and what, what maybe the needs of some of the other people at the table are. Right. So when you put other people's, again, put other people's needs and interests first mm-hmm. and you build that relationship and build that rapport with someone. And, you know, it, it's true when people, when people know that you have an interest in them and in their success, you know, Zig Ziglar said it best, <laughs> the more people, what is it? Um, I'm blanking on the quote now, but, you know, he said that the more people you help, if you, if you help people get what they want, you'll get everything you want. I think that was the quote, right? Mm-hmm. That, I mean, and, and so many people think the opposite. Like, it's got to be about me. I got to get mine. I have to focus on me. And it's like, oh, if I help somebody else, then that's taking away from. It's taking away from my time. It's taking away from my goals. It's taking away from my family. And in reality, it, it it's it's not that at all. It helps you further because you're helping. It's so powerful to help another person. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of Bob Berg, who is the co-author of the Go-Giver series with uh, John David Mann. And I had the fortune of speaking with him not too long ago. Um, but if you read his books... Um, you know, they're parables. They're, sto- they're told in a story format, but they are, they are told basically, and the message is, is that the m- most sustainable and most effective way to g- achieve long-term success is to give more value than you receive, right? And to be a giver and to, and to, and to put other people's needs first. And, you know, I've, I've seen that, that, uh, you know, principle work so well, um, you know, and when you truly believe in that, givers gain philosophy mm-hmm. you know putting other people's needs first is easy yeah and, and you know you know that your, your needs are going to get taken care of that's that's it, it's it, you're so right i mean it's just it's just easy I, I just find like it's so easy to give but i also mm-hmm. understand where for some maybe they weren't raised like that maybe 
where they work, that's not the case. It may be kind of environment where they're, um, they're pitted against each other. Who knows? Yeah. You know, I'm wondering how do you, I mean, or, or perhaps this isn't somebody you would ever work with or provide guidance, but you know, you had talked about that person who, who does really well, like maybe it's that salesperson, or I know sometimes this will happen with those in like engineering or tech you really excel, everyone's in awe, and then bam, you become this leader and you're no longer doing what you loved. You're no longer selling. You're no longer doing any of the engineering. You're no longer really in the tech. Now you're at this whole nother level. Do you ever work with those like that that are kind of like, uh, I don't really know if I want to be a leader. <laughs> like they're kind of like, I don't really know. Yeah. Um... I, I mean, yeah, I think that that's an interesting uh, dilemma, really, because they've been maybe pushed into a position of being a leader or being a manager. They're not really sure they want to be there. Um, <laughs> a couple things about it. I think that, you know, companies do need to reevaluate the idea of leadership development. Um, they need to reevaluate the idea of what a good leader is because a good salesperson is not always a good leader. Yes. A good engineer is not always a good, you know, whatever, like a lead lead guy or a VP of this or whatever. Like just because someone is good at this part does not make them a great leader. You know, great leaders generally speaking when you look around at like who are great leaders out there, like they started something, they began to build it. And then they surrounded themselves with people that knew how to do stuff better than they did. Right. And I mean, that's an aspect of leadership. I think that is very important is like uh, you are fighting a losing battle if you're going to try and do it all yourself. So companies I think need to reevaluate this idea of, well, who's going to be the next promotion. Um, and you know, it might not be, the best sales guy or the best engineer or the best whatever um, find other ways to reward those people for their hard work. Mm -hmm. You know, know, know very clearly whether or not leadership is something that person wants, because if it's not something they want, you are pushing them into a position where they're having to play against their true nature. Yes. Right. Which I mentioned earlier was very difficult for me. So if someone doesn't want to be a leader, not because of a lack of ability or what have you, but because that's just not something they desire. They don't want to be a leader of people. They don't want to put themselves in that position. They're happy to be chief engine, you know, the chief engineer or the head sales guy. And they're happy to maybe mentor other sales people, which is a form of leadership, I guess. But you know, they don't want to be like, I'm the, I'm formally this person. You need to know that as an organization and you need to know, you know, so that I'll, I'll get off my soapbox about that. But, you know, people, I think organizations need to reevaluate that for the person who's been put in that role. Um, they need to make a choice. They need to decide if they're going to, you know, take this opportunity and run with it. Or if they're, you know, if they don't, if they don't want it, if they don't want it, say no and be at peace with your decision. Yes. Be at peace with your choice. 
which which can be hard because sometimes with that change in title or becoming a leader, so does additional money. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I I always I always point to other people's experiences, but you know. Um, Patrick Linsoni at the table, uh, uh, his company's called the table group and he does a podcast called at the table with Patrick Linsoni. And I've, I've all, I've just been really drawn to his podcasts lately. And, um, he did an episode recently called, um, I think it was like the worst job ever or something like that. Well, that was the title of the podcast. It's like, well, you got to listen to it because now you're curious. Um, and there were these four components i believe that i think it was four that make up the worst job ever and um one of the components included being paid very well and it's hard to leave that it's hard to leave that and it's actually a trap like you get paid so darn well to take this promotion or be this leader and you hate it you hate it like, and it's just a trap and it becomes like your success becomes your nightmare. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I had a, back in when I was in business school, I had a human resources professor that said, right. And he said this, a good employee is a mortgaged employee. And I mean, it was, it's like loosen your collar there, pal, because that's, some old school teaching, but like, yeah, you get paid all this money. You get, you get hooked into the lifestyle. You get some nice new shoes, you know, get some LV, get a nice <laughs> new car, you know, and you get hooked and trapped into it and it becomes a nightmare. You know, what could have been a huge blessing and opportunity becomes something you wish you'd never seen. That is so true. And it's, wow. I mean, that's really powerful. And then it turns into that, I hate my job, but yet, you know, I want to go on this vacation. Mm -hmm. I hate my job, but we're in the middle of a pandemic. You know, it turns into something like that. Yeah. And I mean, anyone can fall victim to it. They don't have to be a leader. They could be a very well-paid, uh, you know, salesperson, right? Or they could be a very well-paid I don't know, technician or mechanic or whatever the case is. I mean, they get paid, they get, they get paid so much money that they're, it's difficult for them to leave, but they actually strongly dislike what they're doing. Yes. I mean, I've, I've come across that and it's, it's heartbreaking. True. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, I've, I've talked with people all the time uh, about it and it's kind of like, like, I've always been a, uh, do what makes you happy kind of a guy like i've always been like you know if it's if it's not bringing you enjoyment and fulfillment and you're not happy with what you're doing pursue what makes you happy you know pursue your passions right go after what you love to do which maybe is not a, a perfect reality for many people but you know how can you work towards that how can you work towards getting into that which really makes you smile and gives you a buzz, you know? And it's kind of like, well, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, and I was talking with someone who's a, 
who's a um this was a couple of years ago but he, he's a, a technician and i asked him well what is it you want to do and he really wanted to uh be in teaching mm-hmm. it's like well why why not go back to that right and so you know finding what you're truly passionate about and going and pursuing that the money will come yes the money will come because when you when you go after something that makes you happy i mean you you just do it so much better you put so much more effort into it you do you 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 excel and it just makes more sense right and you're just you're you're just happier you're a million times more happier Mm -hmm. a million times more happier i mean we we you know, some say we spend the majority of our lives at work and, you know, it's just, there's no need to be so miserable. (laughs) Totally. There's no need, but for some, you know, they don't, maybe they don't know what it is that they want to do. I mean, how does somebody figure out? The best way I've heard to describe that, and I'll borrow it from Gary V is like to find out what you're passionate about, you've got to taste it. Mm. And if you don't know, like, I I mean, especially for young people, especially for young people, but you know, you're, you're, you know, you're never too old to try something new. You're never too old to say, you know, I've been working this deadbeat career for the last 36 years. Like I'm going to go and do something that, gives me a little bit of a kick and you know but you know especially for young people like try something try this try that see what it is that really grabs you you know and if you don't if you don't go you won't know that's that's a perfect phrase because you won't and there's so many career options I I mean when you really think about it what people can do for a living it blows my mind yeah i mean it just truly blows my mind so it's like it's like the ultimate buffet like if there was a tv show or some town where they're like we're known for having the most items on a buffet that's how i see that it's like that's that's how your life should be you're trying out all these different things like you're at the world's largest buffet yeah absolutely yeah, and I mean, finding out what you're passionate about is closely t- tied to what your purpose is in life, mm-hmm. um, you know. And and knowing those two things is is huge, you know. I I mean, not I'm not the smartest or most let's say new guy in town, but like, you know, I I definitely have had you know little thoughts in the past, and I'm like, oh, that's you know, why not? Why shouldn't I have a personal mission statement, you know, or a personal vision statement or some personal values. And this is back when, again, in business school, we're learning all about crafting mission, vision, and values for organizations. And it's like, well, that makes sense for a company, but why don't I have one? Right. You know, and then I would say in the last couple of years, that's kind of become a popular concept, right? So I didn't do it first. Lots of people, other, lots of other people did it, but it was like that idea, you know, um, what's guiding you? What's your mission? What's your vision? You know, to, to go around with no direction in life, you're going to end up places you don't want to be. Right. You know, goals, goals. A lot of people 
walk around with goals up here. A lot of people actually don't even have goals, right? And then you look at the Harvard study that was done, it's a famous study, is that people that at least had some goals in mind were like 10 times more successful than people that didn't have any goals. They were just doing life. They're like, I get up, I eat, I go to work, I come home, I drink a beer, I go to bed. You know, and there's no like, what's next? What's, what am I working towards? What am I saving towards? What am I, what am I building? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, whatever that is, like, whether, you know, there, so these people, at least having goals in mind, 10 times more successful than people that don't have goals. And then you'd look at the people that then write down their goals. And, you know, the, this Harvard study looked at people over the course of a, a couple of decades, I believe, and followed these people in their careers. So the people that then wrote down their goals were three times more successful than the people with goals in mind. So they were then 30 times more successful than people that had no goals. So no goals, write down your goals, 30 times the difference. Wow. And I don't know exactly what those measures of success, I'm sure that there was monetary and probably some, some you know, more nebulous ideas about happiness and stuff like that. But like how successful can someone be putting down some goals. So, you know, to purpose, passion and goals for me is, is huge, is huge. And, you know, identifying some of those things for yourself, it doesn't have to be like super well-crafted. Like you could write it on the back of a beer napkin at at the pub, you know, and write down something that says, you know, I want to do this. It's a good starting point. At least you've written it down, take that home, put it in a frame, put it on the wall you know, and and work towards that. I mean, that's just mind blowing to, to go from no goals to you think about them, to you write them down. It literally shows the power of setting goals and no, and it doesn't have to be anything fancy. As you say, it could be on the back of a a beer napkin. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I really hope listeners take that to heart because it, it just, there's something about it. Yeah. I know personally just directs my energy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, I, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of, a psychologist could probably tell us a lot about the value of writing things down. I think that, I mean, that's one of the we- reasons why journaling is, is a popular habit. Um, but actually writing things down and, and I mean, even just speaking them out. I mean, my wife and I, we have conversations all the time about what we're working towards. Um, you know, and it took, I mean, it took, it took years to get us both there, um, and I mean, there were times where she was more responsible than I, and I was more responsible than her. And now we have kids. We both better be responsible or so help us. The kids will run the house, but you know, I mean, I was always kind of telling my wife, like, we got to, you know, let's write down some goals. Let's do some goals. What are your goals? And it wasn't really something that resonated with her for a while. And then she got to a point and she realized, oh, this is good. Right. And so we're both now always talking about it and we're talking about what are we working towards next? And, you know, it's, it's changed a lot of what we're accomplishing as a family, mm-hmm. but like you go beyond that to some eth- really ethereal benefits of thinking about your future, right? There, there, like there are, there, like, especially like for, for people in a relationship, in a, in a love relationship, but even people in a business relationship, 
when you sit down and you start dreaming together and you start visioning the future, like there is magic in that. Like there is real power in getting together and looking ahead. Mm-hmm. And like our, our relationship is stronger because we get to know what we each want for our futures, what we want for our futures together, what we want for our family, our kids. And it strengthens us. It strengthens us. And I think that in a business relationship, like if you're in a, if you have a business partnership or like a leader with their team members, like visioning is huge. Visioning is huge. It sure is. And having that unity. Mm-hmm. That unity is so strong. Wow. <laughs> I love hearing this. We are now on to this is this is I'm transitioning to one of my favorite parts of the podcast. Okay. Kind of as we come to a close. Mm-hmm. Mystery question in the fishbowl. Oh. So I have some mystery questions in here. <laughs> I'm gonna draw draw one out and some decor, perhaps. Oh, oh man, I dropped them. Okay, I think I'm doing you too. Okay, let's see what we have. <clears throat> what advice would you give your younger self? Uh, stop trying to get it right all the time. Uh, yeah, like just just do it. Um, give it your best shot. It's, you know, if you make a mistake, it's okay. (laughs) Definitely that. Like I so many times overthink things. I still do a lot of times is, is get a little overthinky. And, uh, but yeah, to my, to my younger self, like stop being so afraid to try and stop being so afraid to just, just give it a shot. Uh, You're not going to get it right. And it's okay. That's, that's such good advice. That's good advice. What is one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? I think that it's a little bit like the advice to my younger self, um, but it's it's definitely going to be the stay true to you, you know, which is not an excuse to ignore good feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's a lot of good and heartfelt feedback that adds incredible value to someone. But the feedback that is like, you know, that, that feedback that is like, be more like this and be less like you is the kind of stuff that I w- would have happily not had and happily done away with. Um, and that's something that I think knowing starting out in my career is stay true to you, I think would be, would be what I would have to say. I love that. Staying true is key. I mean, it's it's hard. It can be it can be hard, but it's it's something that pays off in the long run. Absolutely. It pays off. Is there anything else you would like to share with listeners, with viewers? No. Um. Yeah, you know, if you're thinking about if you're thinking about leadership, because that's what you asked me on here to talk about. Like, if you're thinking about uh, leadership and and wanting to step out into it and you're afraid or you're not sure if it's the right thing for you mm-hmm. um, 
it's it's just like I told my younger self, right? Like you, you can't you can't be afraid. And if you're waiting till you're gonna be ready, you'll never be ready. So the best thing is is to put your best foot forward, try and see where it takes you. That's you know, awesome. And if you if you want help, there's a ton of help out there. Some, lots of mentors and coaches that have a measurable amount of experience that can help someone get started in leadership. There, there's endless, there are endless um, books, <laughs> and podcasts and articles and, and places to go. Uh, and there's, there's going to be at least someone that you click with out there that you're like, oh man, I, I really, really like what this person is saying. I'm going to keep listening or now I'm going to read this book. So hopefully they'll at least listeners will investigate some of the books that you mentioned because they're, they're yeah. gems. They truly 100%. Yes. Well, before we close, it, um, where can people find you? On yeah, um, I have a podcast. It's called The Weekly Leadership Experience. You can search it up wherever uh, podcasts are played. Um, you can check me out on my website. It's rashadoberlander.com. And I'm all over social media. You can find me on, well, I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And uh, the tag is reoberlander. Oh, I love that, Rashad. That is awesome. I really appreciate it. I love everything that you shared. It is so helpful. And again, thank you so much for spending time with me. Uh, you know what? It was a pleasure on being on here with you, Kizzy. It's a lot of fun talking with you. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Adult Fluent Podcast, hosted by me, Kizzy. Thanks to our special guests for sharing their story, as I know you found it valuable. Help us to continue to share our message by practicing S. RS, which stands for subscribe to the Adult Fluent Podcast, review an episode, and share Adult Fluent with at least two of your friends or two people you kind of like. By subscribing to the Adult Fluent Podcast, you will receive the latest episode to keep you inspired and adult fluent. Until next time, remember everything is possible.